You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 44. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is sponsored by our new free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. I'm talking about the dream job every mom wants. In it, I'll cover the requirements for a flexible job, especially if you're a mom, how to build your six-figure salary trajectory, why tech is great for moms, and why moms are great for tech. Join me this Tuesday for this helpful and fun free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. Sign up at youartechie.com slash three steps. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash the number three S-T-E-P-S. I'll see you there. Ursula Mead is the founder and CEO of In Her Sight, a powerful product in the data space designed specifically to help women make better career choices through anonymous company reviews focused on their goals and their definition of success. In her site provides data from over 150,000 companies. Ursula attended the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, go Heels, for her undergraduate majoring in political science. She later completed her master's degree in international relations and affairs from the George Washington University. She worked as a publisher early in her career before getting into product management at The Motley Fool, where she went on to hold director and VP positions in membership and product experience before starting in her site about seven years ago. Ursula and her family now reside in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina with their nine-year-old daughter and their seven-month-old son. Ursula, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ellen. I'm excited to be here. All right, let's start off just talking about your career and what led you to start in her site. Sure, I, I love talking about the founding story because uh, that's such an exciting time for entrepreneurs when they think about their startup. So for me, it was a little bit less of a single moment or a single aha that led to the founding of In Her Sight. It was really a combination of a lot of different experiences I was having. At the time, I was working in product management in financial tech, which is typically a male-dominated space. I was a relatively new mom, and I was really starting to switch on to the conversation about gender equality at work. This was back around the time of the, the lean-in conversation of Anne-Marie Slaughter's work about how women still can't have it all. And I started to, to really become interested and passionate about the conversation that was happening about women in the workplace. And all day long, I would, I would go to work and I would solve problems for people using data and technology. And I would come home and I would be reading about the experiences women were facing at work. I'd be listening to my friends and neighbors talk about their struggles and their challenges as career women. And I started to think about uh, the opportunity to apply so much of what I was learning about building tech products that drive change to a space that I personally was becoming really, really passionate about. So it, it really started as a bit of a 
passion project, as many of our entrepreneurial journeys do, where I was looking to see how can I apply all of the skills that I've excelled at, at building in product management and apply it to making change for working women. And that was how we started in her site, which is, as you mentioned, it's an anonymous company ratings platform that is similar to a TripAdvisor or a glass door for women, where women can find what they're looking for and at the same time improve what they get in terms of support from employers. I love it. And from the moment I heard about your company, I knew that it resonated really well with my community and, and the students that I have. So many moms come to me and the conversation, especially like in our Facebook group, it is about not knowing if they can find a company that will work for them, if they can find people who will accept them. Because so often they're overqualified, they're overcapable, they don't want to let anyone down. And so I would love to hear just, you know, what do you think in her site can provide in terms of confidence or comfort in terms of a mom finding a company that works for her? This information gap is, is exactly why we exist. So what, what we discovered is that women were being told time and time again to do their homework about companies before they decided to join them. We all know we spend so much of our time at work. Uh, we put so much into our careers and uh, trying to achieve the various um, goals that we set for ourselves. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're butting up against a culture or a system where you're not going to be able to achieve that. And, and it's really important that you're finding the right places to invest your time. Time is really, really scarce and precious for a lot of us, especially working moms who are juggling a lot, but, but for all women, making sure that we're investing in the right companies and cultures. And that information gap is really a huge piece of what we were trying to fill and have filled with our platform and how we define our success as a business, which is, are we effectively answering women's unique questions about companies? And are we helping them make better choices about where they're going to work and where they're going to apply? And I'm excited to say that now with the level of data we have, you mentioned we have data for more than 150,000 companies in the U.S. Wow. Wow. We are working with tens of millions of data points about what women are experiencing at these companies across areas that women have more. Women can actually look and see, do other women feel like they have access to equal opportunities? Do women there feel like they have management opportunities? Do the women there get effective mentorship, which actually is something that we know is very important to women in tech? Um, there are all these different dimensions that women can explore that they've never had insight to. And now as that data set and the adoption has grown to where it is today, 94% of the women who are using our data to make decisions are telling us that it's helping them make better choices, wow. which is really a testament to the platform and to how, how simply providing that data can transform our ability to make better choices about our careers. The way that the site actually works is a little bit different from other sites. I think it's worth noting in terms of your question about right. how do you really help. So the core of the platform is a ratings platform. So women are rating across all of these aspects of their work experience. But then we take that data and we use it to match women to companies that have what they're looking for. Cool. So when a woman comes to our site, let's say you're a woman in tech and you're in the Raleigh-Durham area 
And let's say that you are a working mom and the things that are really important to you are things like knowing that you have access to equal opportunities. You would come to our site, you would tell us all of those things about you professionally. You'd say, I'm a, a backend engineer and I work in the carry area and I'm looking for companies that have those critical features. Those are my must haves. Then we would turn around and we'd say, all right, we're gonna look through our database of 150,000 companies. We're gonna tell you which ones have what you're looking for and are hiring a woman like you. Mm -hmm. And that's how we make sure that women are finding the companies that support their individual goals rather than really trying to say like, all right, we're gonna find you female-friendly companies. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really ambiguous and it's different for every single woman, right? A female-friendly company for you is different from a female-friendly company for me. So oh, it's so important that we have broken that apart and we've said, what is it about a company that you want as a woman? And let's help you find that. Uh -huh. That's fantastic. Now on the company side of things, can companies get information I know that it's anonymous, but can they do things to learn and improve and get better if they, you know, maybe they don't realize the weak spots are or why they're not attracting certain talent? Is there any way for companies to get that type of information? Yes, actually companies are our customers and okay. we help them on a couple of different levels. So we help companies build their brands with women. Um, let's say that you're in a company in an industry that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. A lot of people haven't heard of you. Maybe you are an earlier stage company. We help with that discoverability. So we help, you know, we're trying to reach women. We're looking to improve the gender diversity of our company. Help us present our company to the women who would be interested in it. So show them our company, show them our scores, help us make these matches. We help them on the recruiting front. And we also do a lot to help them on the retention front. So we have a, a ton of benchmarking data for them to understand how their performance and their support compares in their industry and in their peer groups, as well as a lot of information to help them say, decide what should they emphasize if they're trying to appeal to women. Culture that women are looking for, that they care about, that they're actually, you know, again, women in tech in, in most areas, they, they tend to have specific must haves, as we call them, that are different from other women. So we feed a lot of that that collective data back to companies to help them on their talent attraction strategies and to help them retain the women that they attract. Right now, I would say retention is a huge focal point for companies, especially during the pandemic where women's needs are changing every day. They are experiencing new challenges and companies are trying to really figure out how do they best support them because for various reasons, it's difficult and more difficult for women to maintain their career paths under a lot of the new conditions. So we are, in addition to providing them insight into their company scorecards, we're also constantly going out to our network of millions of women and we're asking them other questions about their experiences to feed more and more insights back to employers to help them get better. Because our platform ultimately is about change. And for there to be change, we need employers to be engaging on the experiences that women are having. 
Right, right. Can you go into that a little bit more? Like, what are you hearing from the women in your community? What are they saying about the pandemic and what it's affecting? I'm assuming there's probably some mom component and schooling component and health components. I mean, also for us, we service women, we we niche in moms, but we have so many uh, women and moms who are taking care of their elderly parents, which is that's now that's an even more you know, challenging time for that. So, uh, you know, there are just a lot of complicating factors, but what are some of the things you're hearing about their needs changing in light of, of the current situation? Sure. So if we talk about moms specifically, we recently conducted a, a pretty extensive survey. Some of the research is published in places like Parents Magazine and Refinery29 and some other places. Happy to share that out with you. And we were looking at, for, for working moms specifically, how are their experiences changing in terms of what they want from their employers, what they need from their colleagues, and also what they need from their partners right now. So we like to look at it from a little bit of a holistic view. Mm -hmm. And in general, the story that we are all very familiar with because it's, it's a very hot topic is that a working mom specifically, the ones working from home, are feeling less productive, they're feeling significantly less satisfied. And they are looking not just more understanding from their colleagues, but more help from their partners. And this moment in time for working moms has highlighted everything from the unequal distribution of work at home to the challenges of balancing the ability to bring your whole self to work on a Zoom call where you have all of these different demands on you and your time. I think it's just bringing to light a lot of struggles. In general, though, when we look at our our audience, women, they're wanting a lot more flexibility in terms of their their time to be able to deliver on projects, to show up at work. They need a lot more leeway to make sure that they are able to focus when they need to focus. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also are looking for a lot more listening from their employers. Mm -hmm. And this is across a couple of different fronts. One is in terms of what do they need? Because again, Every woman and every employee's needs are different. Mm -hmm. And they're really to be heard, not just on a general survey level, but managers checking in regularly because things are dynamic, they're changing. You know, people are going from hyper productive to hyper burned out, you know, in a matter of days. And it's it's a little bit of a roller coaster. And so they're really looking for regular check-ins, regular opportunities to specifically talk about what they're facing and make sure that that is heard by their employers. And in the context of things like the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the women are also looking for more support from companies to help them feel like they can bring their whole selves to work. Mm -hmm. Um, About half of women already feel like they can't, uh, that there are aspects of their identity that really aren't uh, embraced and they don't feel like are brought into the inclusion side in the Mm -hmm. office. Mm -hmm. And so between the pandemic And Black Lives Matter, whole selves to work is an increasingly big topic among our audience. Yeah, those are those are great. I mean, it's definitely a a time of change, right? There's there's no real, I think the change is is the new norm. I mean, I just I don't think um, companies operate in the same way that they have been. It just isn't really an option. I think a lot of the things that you said are just really interesting. Bringing your whole selves to work, and and I I know I, I know this is what a big fear for a lot of moms and women are. They, if they're pregnant, they don't want to share that information. I've seen that a number of times. Or they, what, how do I, I stayed home. How do I fill the gap? How do I fill that gap? How do I explain 
do I try to cover it up? You know, I mean, like I've heard that a lot. It sounds crazy, but I've heard that a lot from our, one of our local groups too in the triangle area here that they, you know, well, maybe I can just not answer that question, but then you're not really being true to who you are, right? I think if a company can't accept the decisions and the choices you've made, then it's probably not going to be a good fit for you. That's right. right. That, that's absolutely right. And it's not at all crazy to feel like these are things that you're either trying to avoid bringing to the conversation or not sure when to bring to the conversation. Right. That really shows how important it is to have these insights from women being able to feel like they can just, you know, own where they are in their journey, that their skills themselves are going to speak for themselves. You know, something that we've heard from day one from women where they, they need this information because they still don't feel comfortable with there not being repercussions for things like career breaks or starting to become mothers or a variety of other things that are just part of the career journey for women. Uh Right, right. I'd love to hear a little bit more, you kind of touched on this in your story, but even just about your own personal motherhood journey, right? You have a grade schooler and a baby, and um, how has that kind of shaped your career decisions from your own perspective? Sure. You know, I mentioned that one of the inputs, as I would call it, to to the creation of In Her Sight was becoming a mom, because that was really a switching on moment for me where, sure, I had recognized and seen and heard that there are challenges that women face, but those are compounded when you become a mom at work. So becoming a mom was certainly a piece of driving my interest in building In Her Sight. But interestingly, it also shaped how we decided to build In Her Sight and how we decided to make it more about an individual woman and not about this idea of women as as a group. Uh Because even as a mom, even when I needed additional things like I cared about maternity leave for the first time, I cared more about flexibility, it never actually altered what was core to what I was looking for from a company. At the time when I first became a mom, what are the things that you want from a company? My most important things were the same after having kids as they were before I had kids. My needs and my must-haves didn't change. My number one things from a company is I wanna feel like I have equal opportunities and I wanna feel like I have career growth. That's just core to who I am. And it was recognizing that regardless of what stage of your career you're in, that your needs are very different. You can't, you can't even generalize and say that all moms are looking for this. It's just not true. And that's why we made in her sight so much about the personal individual woman's experiences mm-hmm. because you can't look at the time of a woman's life you can't look at the circumstances she's in and mm-hmm. really make any assumptions about what's most important to her and that was true for me and it's something that whether your early career that may not mean that you're looking for a company where you have things like social activities and games and happy hours and fun perks those are generalizations that a lot of companies will make about what their early career employees need and we're sort of breaking that apart and so becoming a mom helped me really realize that there is no one definition of success for any type of woman i love that and one of the things we talk about a lot at your techie is flexibility and how even flexibility that word has many different definitions. Some some people are like, yeah, I, I, I want to work from home. That's what I, some of the moms in our community have been home for 10, 15 years. They're like, 
the only thing I want is to go into an office. They just don't want to be home anymore. And, but they don't want to miss, like they've got to take their kids to doctor's appointments or they don't want to miss a show. They don't, they want to know that a company is going to work with them to do that. And so they're just different definitions of flexibility. So I love that you really talk about kind of that personal career goals because they can be so different. I just, I find it so interesting to hear women's different definitions of flexibility because like you were saying yours didn't change sometimes those do change throughout our careers right like sometimes we want one thing at one point and then our kids get a little older and we want something a little different so it's it's great that they can kind of you know define that and and actually sort of on that point we get to look at things like what are the things that women think they want from companies what are the things that they're consistently saying this is really important to me And then how do those things compare to what actually drives their happiness and satisfaction at work? And there's often a bit of a difference. So there are things, especially when you're early career and you you don't necessarily um, have all the same experiences that someone who has been in the workforce for 20 years has had. You're not necessarily sure what should you be looking for. So we actually get to do a, a little bit of help educating the women using the platform by saying, hey, these are really popular choices for people to pick. Then we also try to highlight the things that they don't realize are actually drivers of satisfaction, like, do I have access to equal opportunities? That's something that we have to say, you may think, oh, this is gonna be a given, or I'm not gonna select this, but that perception is so critically important to your long-term happiness based on our research. And similarly, employer responsiveness is something that a lot of women aren't necessarily thinking about. Thanks to Me Too, they're thinking about it a little bit more, but how does an employer respond when you escalate needs or you escalate concerns? Is it an effective response? And your satisfaction with an employer's responsiveness is another key driver of satisfaction at work that isn't necessarily on your quick checklist of these are the bread and butter things that I want from a company, but we, we get to encourage more women to really closely consider those things because we know how important they are over the long run. That is so interesting because I don't think that is top of mind when they're looking for a new job, but nobody wants to feel like they're not heard at work. That That is a huge complaint I hear when they, you know, when they feel like they brought up a, a I mean, it can be anything, right? It can, it can be because I think when they, when you talk about the Me Too movement, you talk about more extreme circumstances, that's where your mind goes. When you're not heard on small things, you're like, well, what, how are they going to handle these bigger things, right? Um, like temperature in the office is a perfect example. <laughs> Don't be too cold for women in the office. And it's a big difference when you bring this up and you say, like, it's too cold. It's too cold for half of your workforce. And if, if they respond and they change the temperature or they don't, it's a signal of how they're going to respond to, to more serious things that you bring to their attention at other times. That's really interesting. And definitely not, again, not one of those things that's like top of mind, but something I've heard a complaint about recently. So I know, I know it's definitely a problem. Okay. I'd love to take you back a little bit and we're going to take a little journey, but you, you didn't start off in tech, but you made this transition into tech. Really it was probably your work in, in, at The Motley Fool, you, you went into product management. Can you just tell us about that? This is a really interesting thing, because I'll have women in our group like, okay, how do you get into product management? I'm like, well, there are infinite paths <laughs> to get there. Can you just tell us about your, your journey into there and, and kind of, you know, how did you land there? Sure, yeah, I, I love to think about 
how I ended up in product management because personally, I think product management is the best role that you can have at any company. Um, as soon as I found product work, it was transformative for me because it's always changing. It's always interesting. You're always facing new challenges. You get to work with tech, you get to work with business. It's just at the intersection of everything at a company and it's really, really fun. And like entrepreneurship, it was something that I knew nothing about when I graduated from college. It was something that wasn't even on my radar for the whole beginning of my career. I never heard of product management. Uh, and yet it was going to be sort of my professional calling where it was something that as soon as I discovered it, I absolutely fell in love with it. For me, I actually started academically. I studied things that I was just interested in. I would always just find a topic. Uh, you mentioned political science and international affairs, and I would just learn about the things that I was really curious about. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I ended up in my first few uh, jobs working in publishing. And I ended up in the publishing business, B2B newsletter publishing. And I was also at The Motley Fool working in B2C newsletter publishing. Uh, for those of you who don't know The Motley Fool, it's a financial media company. It's a financial tech and media company. But when I first started with them back in 2008, I really was brought on in a publishing capacity where they were producing a lot of newsletters. That was sort of the, the core business was focused around publishing content. If uh, those of you who do invest or remember 2008, that was also the year we had the big financial crisis. So not long after I got there, there was the combination of the financial crisis as well as really a crisis for the publishing industry in general. And that industry was really hit hard. And it was a moment for The Motley Fool to really think about their identity and how they were gonna operate as a business. So not long after I started there, the company itself started its journey to shift from being more of a publisher and toward being more of a financial tech company. I very quickly went from that publishing paper mindset to scrum, planning, stories. Uh, now we're in a new world where we make decisions with, you know, where we're, we're sizing the work that we're doing, we're making it all business decisions based on data and really seeing tech as, as the driver of the future of the company. As a data person, I got to see how easily in that role you get to apply data to make decisions about how well you're serving your customers, how effective your product is. With technology, you get to measure everything. Mm -hmm. and, and that was really sort of my lucky but unplanned entry into the tech world. Yeah, that's super interesting. I love it. And like I said, a lot of women in our community, you know, I have, I have a UX course. So user experience, definitely maybe, maybe a more traditional path to product management, you know, but having this great experience for users is definitely so linked to product. That is something we talk about all the time. I like to help women try to understand the value that product, knowing product can bring. Oh, it brings, it brings tremendous value. As, as I mentioned, you are, I always think of product management as a wheel and you are the hub of the wheel and all of the spokes are to all of the different uh, stakeholders and departments in the business and you sit at the center and you have to listen to all of the stakeholders needs all of the things that their their dreams about what's going to happen for the business and the product intersection of those and then and then very responsibly put uh, your tech resources behind them so it's it's an interesting role it's one that I would encourage anyone who's who's interested in sort of data business decisions technology to explore especially if you're thinking 
you're interested in tech, but you maybe aren't necessarily interested in learning to write code, mm -hmm. um, it, it's a great way to enter that field. So I was a product person. One of my co-founders was the lead user experience designer, and the other was one of the engineers at The Motley Fool. And at one point, he was also the CTO. And we had built so many products together uh, while we were there. They were everything from um, mass market investing tools to back-end billing systems to getting started investing products. And uh, through that exercise, a lot of different products together and really understanding our workflow, mm -hmm. we just learned that we loved to innovate together. If you go from innovating at a company and enjoying that so much that you want to be able to build your own company together as a team, I think that really speaks to sort of the, the high level of satisfaction and enjoyment you can get from creating products together. That is super interesting. I did not, I didn't even realize that. What, what a lucky turn of events that you've gotten to have that workflow with, with the same people for so long. That's super yeah, we, we don't even have to speak anymore with each other's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Well, you touched on this a little, but I, I just like to kind of give you one more platform to address this. But if, if there's any advice that you would give to a woman, let's say she's, she's maybe re-entering the workforce. So she might not be exactly sure if there's a company that's a good fit for her. What advice would you give to her? If we're, we're talking about women in general, I would say that uh, there absolutely are companies that are the right fit for you. And now you have the tools to do your homework where you can actually go through that process of understanding what it is you want and looking at companies through that lens on in her site. But if you are a woman who is considering either getting back into tech or getting into tech right now, I would say that there is no greater demand than the demand for women in tech. So you may be concerned about a career break. You may be concerned about being new. There are companies out there who will take a chance on you, who will help you get trained up, who will help you find your career footing in that field because the demand is so high to have better gender representation in tech departments. I say full speed ahead on pursuing tech careers as to any women who are listening to this podcast. Ursula Mead, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely, it was, it was my pleasure. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at uartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.